spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label guys i'm the end spoken label back in the house on a wednesday evening and i'm full of freaking cold but hey ho it doesn't stop spoken label we carry on regardless so so if you hear loads of Cuttings today in the recordings, you know why, because I'm crap, right? But I've got a lovely lady with me today, and kudos to my good friend Paul Stevens, because Paul recommended this lady to me, and the lady's name is Crystal Stewart. Now, I didn't realise Crystal, she's originally from one of my old breeding grounds, Cholton, she grew up a lot rock around there, and she's now Heaton Parkway. So I'm not going to give any more introduction to you, Crystal, so I'll let you start off then. For people who don't know you, and I don't know why... First of all, then, would you introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them, obviously, a little bit about yourself and where all your creativity came from, and we'll start from there. Okay, uh, my name's Crystal Stewart. Um, I, I was born in Australia, but I grew up a lot in Manchester. So Manchester oh, were you? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Cool. Well, when, did you, when did you come to England, then? Um, I was nine months old, but I, I spent a lot of time in Cyprus um, when I was oh, younger. wow. Cypriot. And um, Cypri- Cypriot um, culture has a very strong storytelling tradition. Oh, so yeah. One of my yeah. best friends is from Limassar, she is. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. always speaking to her. Are you on the Greeks, Greek side or the Turkish side? Your um, we left the Turkish side when the invasion, um, the Turkish invasion, but my auntie's in Limassol and um, I've got family near, near the northern um, border. Yeah, near Nicosia. Yeah. It's a wonderful country, look Cyprus. Anyone that's been there, I can recommend it straight away. So yeah. that's why. So, but anyway, obviously, we're here to moving on. So, you moved to Manchester in a very early age, and didn't you? So, John Cholton Way, wasn't it? Um, so I moved to Manchester. I lived in London till I was 13, moved to Manchester, oh. um, went to Liverpool Polytechnic, mm. where I studied psychology, which is completely well, could be related to writing, I suppose. But, uh, and yeah, I've lived in Manchester most of my life, but, um, mainly North Manchester, but but a time in Charlton as well. Yeah. Cool. I know you're Heaton Park based nowadays. You've been telling me before. So, yeah. but obviously, like, where they talk about your creativity, really. So, and I know obviously through Paul, basically, Paul's telling me he has told me before you do. I know you do look a bit of poetry, but you're also a playwright and a producer, aren't you? As well as a yeah. facilitator. So, tell us about 
where all this came from? Then? Um, I think I'm, I must say that I always grew up with stories. My my great aunt and my grandmother um, was always telling me, me stories, fairy stories, but sort of Cypriot style, you know, where a man and a woman are trying to get together and they're trying to get married. And one says, you can't marry him. We can't marry her. So all these kind of you know, we shouldn't be marrying this boy, he's enchanted and things like that, which does have relevance because I've written a play about those um, archetypes. Um, but I think in terms of the turning point is my French teacher, um, when I was 11 years old, um, I wrote a play called The Fascinating Greenhouse, which was 17 pages long, which to me was like, a, you know, a massive tome. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, it, uh, my French teacher typed it up and she sent it to the Royal Court in London to the Young Writers Competition. And um, I remember going to see the winner, which was called Perfect Pets. So that was my first introduction to going to see something, you know, that I really engaged with, which was theatre written by young people. Um, and my drama teacher said, well, we've still got the script. Um, why don't we put this on as a, a, sh a piece of shadow puppet theatre? So we edited it to about 10 minutes and we presented it to the drama class as a piece of shadow puppet theatre. Oh, wow. And basically that changed, I think that moment must have changed my whole kind of thoughts about what, what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an air hostess, a zoologist, all sorts of uh, wow. different things. But um, I think it was a teacher. The, t the teachers really just supported me yeah, beyond their role really, you know, so yeah. Um, and then I, I did um, I did write a few little plays as I was growing up, you know, my teens. But I don't know where they are. <laughs> and sketches. Yeah, no, of course, get completely these. I found that myself over the years because I started writing when I was ten, and I, yeah. I tend to operate things in a really diff weird way to a degree. Or like I know Amanda, my wife, as you know, she started yeah. writing a similar age of what both me and you started at, and yeah. uh, she lost all of her early material. But my case was I've got everything in the half, half. I kept everything from about 11 or 10 the first poem in little hardback A5 books. And yeah, yeah. The early, early ones are terrible, really are. But, but it's, it's good to see how it changes. Yeah. Your style changes, isn't it? And your influences. Yeah. I, I, like, I like looking back at stuff, that's why. So I'm very nostalgic like that, which I can see from obviously where you're, where you're, where you are as well. So now, obviously, yeah. then, when you did that piece at a very early age, um, how did your work develop over time after that then? Um, I think I probably, I, I love drama. I mean, that was the first thing. I love mm. drama and I loved creative writing. I remember my exercise books from primary school. It was always a, a girl called Anna. And, you know, it, it was all very Alice in Wonderland based, you know. So there was these kind of hyper-reality. So that, that was in my consciousness from the time I was growing up. And then when I was 17, I wrote a poem about a river. The, it was like the river of life. It was something very cliche, uh -huh. but it was quite wise. And my mum read it and she said, this has been written like by a 25-year-old. You know, it's, it's, you, you're advanced beyond your years. So um, I, I had started writing poetry then as well, you know, and, and I kept a journal and, um, you know, like the teenage angst as well. <laughs> Course, so um course yeah that was how it um that was how it developed and then when I went to polytechnic I studied psychology my best friend Gail was on the drama course so suddenly I was going thinking you know going to see her shows and thinking actually this is more interesting than my my psychology <laughs> so, no, um, I get it. Get yeah 
No, I got into theatre, really. Cool. Now, obviously, um, I know, obviously, and, and I presume this is right on your Facebook page, at one point you used to, you used to work over at the Arts Council, didn't you, as did. a theatre assistant officer? So, yep. Are you allowed to talk about that? I am allowed. I don't work there anymore. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> no, I'm just curious what, what you did there, and that's why, because it's like... That's quite an interesting sounding job, but... Shall I tell you how I got to the Arts Council? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I please. Um, I lived in London for a couple of years. I went and moved back down with my dad. And I worked in, um, I worked in a charity. And basically, I decided I wanted to do volunteer in a theatre in Camden called Theatro Technis, which is like a Greek-run theatre space, you know, for international products coming in, theatre. Um, and I did some fundraising for them. And one was an arts council, another was um, kind of a community fund. So I managed to get them 10 grand from the community fund. I had a bit of, I had a bit of experience fundraising and then I ended up moving back to Manchester because I was seeing somebody in Manchester. Um, and I went, I went for the job at Northwest Arts Board. So I had some theatre experience and also um, a friend of mine said, um, don't forget to mention rural touring in the interview because I was working for the drama and touring administrator. So, so rural touring is still a big thing. It's about getting theatre out to communities that are out the way. So I think that's a bonus point. And also I mentioned things like access, you know, access needs. If I was planning a meeting, you know, how we'd make sure that it was accessible. And um, so I was I was offered the job. I think there was there was 97 applicants. So I just I just I got really focused down in what, what I wanted to do. And that's how I got into the Northwest Arts Board. <laughs> oh, yeah. brilliant. It's brilliant. Like I said, it's an interesting, fascinating job to get into straight away. And that's a show of it. Obviously, moving more forward then. Yeah. Because I know Paul was obviously telling me about um, that you, you did a play and you told me a bit before just for lockdown as well, didn't you? So. So I'm intrigued yeah. to know about this play that happened just for lockdown. Oh, yeah, that's into, Yeah, I was working on a piece called uh, Mashallah, which was um, it had a, a seed, seed mission from Oldham Coliseum um, to develop a play about uh, a cross cultural romance. And it was actually based on um, my cousin who's Cypriot and she met um, a Muslim Pakistani man and it was it was about the cultures how the cultures were very similar and it was like a sort of um, a bit like a rom-com but not if you know what I mean there's kind of a lot of poetry in it as well there were a lot of poetic monologues so um, I got a director um, who who works at Freedom Studios Alex Chisholm and we managed to cast um, two Greek actors and um, two to act one that could speak Urdu and also one that had the, um, the, the you know the kind of um, experience and background of that of that culture um, to 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 read the part. So basically, I consulted with the community of Oldham and my own networks, and we created this. Basically, I wrote it in about um, I wrote forty five minutes in about six weeks, and that part of that time was with actors as well. So I've done a lot. I've done a hell of a lot of research for that. I mean, it just didn't happen overnight, and that was really well received. So um, basically, after that, I decided that the structure had to be changed a lot. So I was working a lot on changing what 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 the um, order of things was, but the characters were very similar. Obviously, just different scenes and um, non more non linear than it was. Yeah, yeah. So, now I always believe in that sort of thing. When you're doing plays yeah. and stuff, quite 
I've, I've worked a couple of production companies myself over the years. Yeah. Nowhere to nowhere near the level of what you've done. But the beginning, the way the first draft of play, we go into the performance side could be completely different time we get to the yeah. final side of it. So, so straight away, like I so said, for six weeks, what he did that, I sound like he did a lot of work that over that six week period straight away. Yeah, so. it was very intensive. And because I had the actors as well, it was so important that I got that material from them and that response because some yeah. of it was devised, you know. So, it wasn't so much structure for me it was just the content making sure the characters were authentic and they had authentic journeys as well because it, it's bilingual as well so it was very important that the actors were from the backgrounds that I had you know specified um but it was a, a brilliant experience it was fantastic you know yeah oh, no, brilliant, brilliant that's all and you got it into like to both said for just for lockdowns obviously like since yeah, um, it was a couple of years before but I was I was I was oh, writing it and working on it yeah but uh yeah that no, was a good experience but, but lockdown has kind of brought me back to poetry to be honest yeah, yeah. I know obviously like we, we've been a couple of times we tried to get you on speak easy the night I call run and for various reasons that hasn't happened but, but it will but it will but so yeah to over lockdown have you been doing I know you've had a few things published haven't you so so has poetry you've gone into poetry more than yeah. recently again have you yeah, I think poetry, because I joined Common Word in the mid-90s, um, and so poetry was always um, a massive part of my writing, you know, because I think before joining the Everyman Youth Theatre, um, which is which changed my life again, the trajectory of my career, um, I was writing poetry, so I had this poetic kind of alter ego almost, you know, from very early on, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. And I said before, so over lockdown then how's it impacted on your work then so have you found that the poetry that you've wrote over lockdown has been completely different to what you wrote before then yeah it's interesting because I, I wrote poetry out of desperation because um obviously theatres had shut down and there were opportunities but for me poetry was very immediate it wasn't like you know you have to be you have to develop this over two years you have to pay the actors pay the director the dramaturg it was something I had control of that I could chip away at that was relatively quick and that I could literally just send out there and think, you know, I'll send it into this. And, and so I, um, I don't know if people have heard of Submittable, which is like a sort of, um, it's a system where you can submit poetry across the world. Um, you know, and the interface is really simple. And so I, I just threw a few things out there. The first thing I sent actually got accepted. So that was a great thing, you know, but it, it was an old story. But I'd kind of, I'd, I'd tinkered with it until I thought, right, you know, I might as well. And from then on, I just thought, just get it out there, write it, give yourself a deadline, just get it out there. And I've, I've had quite a few things picked up or published. So it's, it, one of them is actually a book as well, which I was surprised about an anthology. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, um, the one that I've been reading a lot of is the work you had published over at, visualverse.org yeah tell us a bit about that process and how you got involved with this then I think that's just one of those things that popped up um if you've heard of Writers HQ they have uh, they publish opportunities every month and I think Visualverse was on there as a, a rolling um submission program and I like Visualverse because um I liked writing to images I think images are really powerful so I didn't so much need the idea. I just needed the 
you know to respond to something and it just some of the images were so beautiful they just captured my imagination and um and the rolling program is so fast so you've got 15 days to respond to the image in one hour and then if they get if you get selected you're published within that month online so it's really good for new writers to get a response you know straight away yeah the material that the yeah. ace block number of pieces of publishing are all really, really good pieces. I've really enjoyed reading each one. So straight yeah. away with that. So brilliant. Now, obviously, now we're out of lockdown then. Are you looking at carrying on with the poetry or do you think you'll go back to doing plays again? I'm actually hooked on the poetry. I'm still writing. Really? Um, I, I've got an idea for a collection, but I'm not sure how to put that together. But um, another place I did contact over the pandemic is the Windows Project in Liverpool. Um, if you send them your poems, two or three poems, or the first chapter of your novel, they will give you really honest feedback. Um, and the, the advice I got from the reader was to read more poetry, which I have been doing, but also um, think about collect, you know, think about an idea for a collection that, that of poems. So I've been looking at collections a lot, and um, that that's been interesting for me, you know, trying to work work out what a theme is in my my plays and, and also in my my poems brilliant well good luck with it definitely with that one straight away so yeah. i said uh, i can well from what i've seen your work i can well imagine you're going back to going on to do a full poetry collection definitely or maybe even a novel or something who knows obviously if you can get yeah. if you get the piece in quiet to do it and that's story for another day yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean i like the performance aspect of poems because obviously i've got the theater background and um you know that 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 marriage between the two i think re really works yeah yeah i think it does because if you've come from that sort of background when you're going yeah. on to stage because um last speak either we had we had two we had two young actresses come up to me at the end of the yeah. night that hadn't performed or just started writing poetry but they asked me and amanda about it and then there were seven, eight, 19 and 22 young sisters there were they were yeah. asking us basically saying like it's we've got a really good background in the theatre, is it easy to transcribe it onto poetry? And I thought myself, you've got, if you've got the material, yeah, it's a, it's a helping start straight away. Yeah, it is, because I think, because I haven't performed for so long, I used to perform at night and day. Oh, no Era. And I was so petrified, because I think you had to, you got a vote, you know, for your poem. But um, I'm not, I'm not ready to, I'm not quite ready to read yet, but I, I am working on it. And I must say, I've got to give credit to Jerry Potter, he was running the youth theatre, co-running co the youth theatre and his poetry is theatrical, very magical and that's what I'm kind of aiming for is to get us to find my own style really, you know, in, in terms of delivering something. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and of course, of course, straight away, but it's, it's a lot of it, isn't it, with poetry sounds with your playwriting, it's finding your voice, isn't it? Yes. Yes, yes. I said is when you spent 18 months writing your poetry now, the next day is to find your voice, how you perform it and stuff like that. So no, good luck with definitely so hopefully we'll get you on to speak easy when you when you're ready then. Yeah, say, definitely. Come over to Alton and uh, get on the tram, won't I? Yeah, jump <laughs> jump on the tram, it'd be that easy that. So so yeah, great. Have you got have you got any publications coming up at the moment that people need to be aware of or are you keeping your options open? Um no, I haven't got anything at the at the moment, but um, I don't know if I could do a little plug. Um, I, I, uh, 
I co-facilitate a, a group, a playwriting group with Julian Hill, and we're called Manchester Playwrights Forum. And we were running at Moston Miners uh, before the pandemic, but we're hoping to start that up soon. So um, if anybody is interested and they want to contact me through Facebook, I, I can tell them a little bit about it. And it's a really lovely um, session. It's very kind of relaxed and we read work and we do little exercises. Um, and create scenes and we've actually had um, a reading at Hope Mill Theatre as well so we are kind of um, hoping to get that back up um, if anybody any new new playwrights or playwrights that want to get back into it you know after pandemic it's it's a really good way in you know uh, oh, brilliant good luck with it definitely so tell us a bit about that because I didn't know about that so where to where to, um, how did this start then Manchester Playwrights Forum has been going for quite a long time since I was um, certainly at the Arts Council and they work um, they work with new writers. But they also broker relationships with theatre. So they had a showcase on at uh, Contact Theatre quite a number of years ago of extracts of work. And that's the way for uh, producers or venue managers to, to see work as it's as it's being created and um, usually the writer will go away and write more of it or finish it off so it's a really good um, place um, to, to see your work on stage uh, Julian is a trained actor as well so you know he's got a, he's got great insights into kind of Shakespeare which I haven't because <laughs> he was trained at RADA so um that that group is continuing but it's continuing at the miners in Moston which is a brilliant community arts centre they have a lot of kind of um bands on and charity events and a little cafe um and that's where we were meeting um you know before the, the pandemic so so that's something if anybody's in North Manchester or further afield they can you know they can tap into yeah, I'll definitely. I know a few people in that towards that area actually. So yeah. I'll be when I, when the podcast gets released, they will be getting referred to this. Definitely, don't worry about that. So, <laughs> so yeah. right. Well, anyway, that's pretty well covered everything I need to ask you today, Crystal. So we'll let you do the plug to finish off with today. So if people want to find out more about you, where do you recommend they go? Well, I haven't got a website. <laughs> I'm, on <laughs> I'm on Instagram, but but I will have to send you what that is. <laughs> Uh, but um, it's at Chris, C-R-Y-S underscore Stew is my Twitter. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and yeah, no website as yet, but that's something I am looking into um, as, you know, as I, I develop, you know, and decide what I want to be as well, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. No, so no good luck. Definitely keep us informed. Yeah. Keep us informed. Yeah. I'm always a firm believer. Spoken label. I like people coming back on a year, say a year down the line, and I find yeah. what they've been up to and stuff. So yeah, sounds good to me. So, but of course, you're going to do some pieces in the second half. But you're going to be doing this um, by pre-recorded because yeah. there's a few there's a few reasons why tonight. It's just not logistics aren't right at the minute. Logistics, so. that's right. Then that's the that's a subtle way of saying you have got the kids in the next room, basically. Kids, so. Yeah, somebody's going to knock on any minute now, and yeah. yeah. See, that's logistics, right? So that's it, guys and girls. Hanging off part two, obviously. Me and Crystal are going to carry on chatting into the night now. But <laughs> thank you again for this today, Crystal. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Andy. It's been a pleasure too. Thank you. Hanging around, of course. Need to speak to off mic, but see you all soon. As Don Carlos at Impact Wrestling says, stay safe. Lost Scale. Cat. Lost Cat. My beloved Percy, mature male tabby cat, fully neutered, wearing a collar and engraved pendant. Partially blind in one eye, Last seen October the 26th on Rosewood Drive, Walthamstow area. 
answers to Percy, Perse, Percival and Percy Plod. Percy has always been a homebody. He doesn't like to wander too far away from his mum. He is very partial to warm full fat milk and Polcourt yellow tuna. He has had one devoted owner, me, Mrs Ethel Greenhouse, 23 Rosewood Drive. I bought Percy home the same week I was widowed. I guess you could say that my loss was Percy's gain. Percy will be missing his comfy spots on the arm of the sofa now. He likes to playfully pour my clicking knitting needles as we watch the six o'clock news. When he's happy, he tilts his head and does this kind of slow blinking. He also has a very loud purr. I would put him at a baritone. The louder the purr, the more content he is. I like to keep his contentment meter topped up with cuddles and his favourite mackerel treats. You will notice I am appealing to your good natures in the present tense. I know that Percy is alive. Don't ask me how. I just know. Perhaps you have spotted him in your neighbourhood. He has a certain swagger in his hind legs, so he's hard to miss. Perhaps he has been injured in a fight and needs critical assistance. Perhaps he's in your care right now and you're wondering what your next move should be. Please return him to me, his rightful owner, Mrs Ethel Greenhouge, 23 Rosewood Drive, the Dormer Bungalow. If you have Percy with you and intend to keep him as you're becoming overfond of his affectionate and trusting nature, remember, he is a very fastidious cat. Keeping him in the lifestyle he has grown accustomed to will be a costly venture. You will need an excellent pet plant to absorb the onset of arthritis in his back legs. For both our peace of minds, please return him to 23 Rosewood Drive, the Dormer Bungalow, the one with the red door. He would not attempt to take on a busy road, as traffic terrifies my Percy, unless he felt cornered. His diminished eyesight would not help his poor road sense. He has walked into a few scraps over the years, as it can be very territorial. Other cats, large dogs, and on two occasions, Mr. Daniel Strimmer. You will see that I have posted several photo fits of Percy, taken from different angles. As you stroll or ride past, please keep these various facets in your mind. He's a healthy girth for a tomcat, and not easy to miss, particularly if the thoroughfare is narrow. My daughter-in-law, Mandy, does not understand our bond. She does not want to understand. She tells me that Percy has already met with his maker and we buried him six feet under my begonias back in June. I know my memory is shocking, but I would have given him a more decent send-off than in a banana box. So I am appealing to you. Find my Percy and return him to me at 23 Rosewood Drive, Dormer Bungalow, Red Door, past the Lilac Hydrangeas. As we fast approach Halloween and Guy Fawkes Night, I grow ever more anxious. Purse does not get on well with young children and despises loud bangers. He is in real danger of retreating even further away from his forever home and into an unfamiliar suburb. I am offering an ample reward for your time and vigilance. In my estimation, £2,000 would buy a family of four a Christmas with all the trimming. Percy has been my loyal companion for over a decade and it is important that he is allowed to enjoy his final years with me. If you have him, please return him to 23 Rosewood Drive, Dormer Bungalow, Red Door, Lilac Hydrangeas.
Mandy has been threatening to put me into a retirement home if I do not give up on what she calls a futile search for Percy. She says she could easily convince my Bernard and the medical profession of my infirmity. You are not obliged to explain the circumstances under which you found Percy. You will receive £2,000 cash in an envelope on my positive identification of him. 23 Rosewood Drive, Dormer Bungalow, Red Door, Lilac Hydrangeas. The doorbell connects to the back of the house. If, God forbid, my intuition has failed me and Percy has indeed gone to the great littest tray in the sky, I will offer £1,000 for the return of his body so that I may furnish him with a funeral he's truly deserving of. I haven't told Mandy about the reward money. I believe she knows I've made significant changes to my will, so it will not be in her interest to retrieve Percy in his living state. Please do not trust Percy with a woman who calls herself Mandy slash Amanda slash Mans. See photo fit. I have purposely not left a contact number. I expect there will be many false sightings of Percy and the phone constantly ringing would aggravate my tinnitus. Ethel Greenhouse, 23 Rosewood Drive. The doorbell connects to the back of the house. Please allow at least five minutes for me to answer. Spoken mate. Disco lives. Our disco hearts beat in time with the bass. Arms outstretched, we reach to embrace something vital, tribal. In a vacuum of spinning lights and dry ice, the DJ twists the frayed ends of each tune into one seamless silken thread. Like strobelic marionettes, our laser-cut limbs cast vivid shapes in this hallowed space. When the world goes tits up, disco burrows underground. Demolition won't raise it, curfews won't curb it. Dance floors flourish in car parks and fields, in basements, rented apartments. Disco is how the ancients communed with their gods, their moves daubed on temple walls. Disco stokes those same shadows in the sweaty clubs. It's the indelible stamp on the back of our hands. Sugared pills melt on damp tongues. Neon shots cue and pints get sunk. Disco is bottled fizz, shook up with each riff, uncorked with each chorus when we all let rip. We are the poster kids of Disco's future, lycra-clad and sure-footed as we bounce buoyantly through elation, heartbreak, epiphany. Our demons cast as divine entities in the mirrored shards. This one night, they don't get to bite us. Spoken, mate.